welcome to SLP Full Disclosure, the podcast for SLPs by SLPs, where we deep dive into a variety of topics to empower, educate, and entertain. Join us each episode to hear from expert guests and topics that matter most. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already, and let's jump into this episode. Hello, and welcome to SLP Full Disclosure. I'm one of your hosts, Jennifer Martin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alyssa Hunter. Hello. Today, we are honored to have Katie Elizabeth Kemp join us. Um, She is in the business of drawing out the gold in women's stories. She is a story brand marketer by day, which funds her passion as a writer, poet, and speaker by night. She's also a mom of three kids, all of which are in school, seventh, fifth, and first grades. She also parents a blind daughter named Hallie, who has been the one teaching Katie to see. Katie writes many faith blogs, creative bits, and poetry over on her Instagram, which we'll tell you all about at the end, and more formally over at katieelizabethkemp.com. She supports her husband's nonprofit called Unlock Masculinity, which helps boys and men get healthy in the toxic masculine culture. When she's not working, chances are she's listening to a podcast, cooking, or making up crazy dances just so her kids will laugh. So welcome, Katie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Oh, we are so excited to have you. And, you know, one of the things that before we get started, I just think it's so important for, I'm so happy that you're here, is that as therapists and specifically pediatric therapists, we become very focused on treating that child and working with that child. And sometimes it's easy to forget that there's a family, parents, and caregivers behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And throughout the years, I've learned that, you know, what I say often is to me, the parent and caregiver is the most important member Mm -hmm. of that team. Yes. Because if, you know, they re- they give us the information, how did we get here? What yeah. do things look like when we're not here? And how do we partner together to support them when you go mm-hmm. home and in, into life? Absolutely. So yes. I'm so, so glad that you're mm-hmm. here to, you know, give us some of that mm-hmm. parent perspective that I think is so important and so easy to forget. So just to get started, tell us a little bit about your journey into motherhood and when you were first meeting your your beautiful daughter, Hallie. Yeah. Well, when I was 38 weeks pregnant, um, I was measuring small. And so they wanted to do a couple extra ultrasounds and they saw that something was going on with her brain. They thought maybe it was hydrocephalus. Um, So two days after she was born, she had an MRI and it confirmed that her optic nerves um, were underdeveloped as well as her pituitary gland. And so that gave her the diagnosis of septo-optic dysplasia. And for kiddos with SOD, they are really on a spectrum. So at that point, um, the doctor said, for sure, she will be blind. Um, They gave us total blindness. You know, there's a spectrum. Some people have low vision and are still considered blind. But um, she had... um, So on this spectrum, kids can have developmental delays. They can have vision loss. A lot of times they have emotional uh, irregulation kind of things going on, sensory issues that come with the blindness, just a lot that goes into it. But, you know, that moment when the doctor came in and said, you know, your daughter is going to be blind, there is no surgeries or um, glasses or anything to correct this. 
um, it was quite a, a shock. But also with that, something in that moment, both my husband and I have said, there is something really tender in both of us that knew, no, we're made for this job and we're going to do the best that we can. Um, And from there, you know, at six weeks old was the first time when Hallie was six weeks old, we had a therapist come into our home. It was a TVI, a teacher of the visually impaired. And um, she, you know, then was kind of this entrance into the Anchor Center, which is a preschool for blind children in Stapleton. And that was this incredible, magical place for us to then start teaching Hallie how to experience the world. Because when you have that big of a sensory loss, I mean, for her, the world was scary. What are these sounds? And then for me as a parent, how do I even go about teaching her? How, you know, what, what are the challenges developmentally that she's going to face? Because I know they're coming, but what do I do? And so the anchor center was such this, um, this really incredible, like safe haven for me. And it was where I could connect with other families. It was where we could find support for Hallie. And, um, yeah. And so there they, you know, they have OT, PT, SLP, um, music therapy, pretty much everything you can think of is going to serve the child there. So that's primarily where she, um, receives services. And when I was nine months, or when Hallie was nine months old, I found out I was pregnant with my second, um, which at first was a shock and produced some anxiety of, you know, now I'm going to have these two babies. And when I think about the, um, how that all worked itself out, it was such a blessing for Hallie to have a brother that was coming up right alongside her 18 months apart and really helped push her developmentally. So actually in the end, it was a gift. And then um, when Carter was four, then we had Logan. And so I'm a mom of three. So yeah. Wow. That sounds like (laughs) quite a journey and that Hallie has had an adventure mm-hmm. of a life with you and mm-hmm. your the rest of your family. And Jennifer has just been speaking the sweetest things about <laughs> Hallie. I know that Jennifer has met her through your son going to school with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me and the listeners who haven't met Hallie yet, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about her. Yeah. Um, you know, she is, well, I say the word sassy, but what I mean by that is passionate. (laughs) And she is all in on whatever she's doing. Um, She is so creative. Um, She's 12, almost 13. So we're going into like, you know, preteen attitude right now, (laughs) which is its own unique, um, you know, challenges. Um, Hallie has always been just a lover. She just gives the best hugs and she um, sees people in a really special way. When she's with you and she's talking to you, she's with you. Um, She's really had to be kind of a pioneer in a lot of ways, which I know many special needs kids are. So for her, her element after the anchor center, that was like this little safe haven. Then she went into elementary school 
And she was one of the only high level, you know, special needs children at this elementary school. And um, so she really kind of, I think what I saw was that she was a teacher for these other kids that maybe weren't exposed to other kids that had needs. And um, there's something really special, I think, in the classroom that happens when there's a special needs kid, because then kids have to learn new things. How does, how does Hallie understand that? You know, and I saw even starting in kindergarten, kids knowing, oh, I need to bring this over to Hallie's hands for her to see it with her hands. And um, so a little more about Hallie. So she is a lover of math and science. She is a musician and she has this incredible talent of merging all of those things together. So she makes up stories and plays and songs about math and science. Wow. So yeah, like Where's the parasite life? blues <laughs> teaching parasynth or yes. Parasent uh what is it? Um well parasites, but then they're yeah. So I don't even know the term. I was going to say, it sounds like we need her in here to is. teach us. <laughs> she is ahead of our time. I mean, I see, I see a is. YouTube channel in, in yes. our future. This yes. is, you know, like Khan Academy. We, yes. need, we need Allie to do something right? like this. Yes. I know. She has a play about integers. And I'm thinking, wow, interesting. Like, how do you even come up? But wow. anyway, so yes. So she's very creative, very fun, funny, finds the puns. She hears words different than... Think the average person. So, yeah. Those are so, I'm like <laughs> speechless. I'm just thinking about all of these talents that she's cultivated at yeah. such a young age. Yeah. Normally, when a mom is describing her 12 year old daughter, mm. like there might be some other things thrown in there of things that the person is concerned about, like, oh, mm. you know, and she can't stop stealing my makeup or can't stop. <laughs> like, well, what is the name of the parasite that she made right. a blue song about? And that's oh, just incredible. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she is one of a kind, I tell you. And just, mm. you know, having the privilege of, of knowing her, mm-hmm. um, I will say that one of the, the things about Hallie that I is have found from the very beginning is stood out mm-hmm. is that she just has this confidence about her mm. that is so striking and mm. it's you know and I'm sure part of it she was born with but mm-hmm. I also think that part of it is very much due to you mm-hmm. and your family because you really are mm-hmm. such you know a fierce advocate mm-hmm. for her and have have done things within mm-hmm. her her school where you know, because you were teaching people Mm -hmm. and not only the students, but the other educators about Mm -hmm. how to work with her. And so some of the things that you've done Mm -hmm. and just that I've been able to see through my own child, who's, you know, who knows Hallie is just opening their eyes to Mm -hmm. where it doesn't even, like no one even thinks twice about, you know, what she does or doesn't do because Mm -hmm. she's just part of the group. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's just, it, it is really beautiful. And mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, on the playground, you know, yes. taking care of her and helping if she needs, but often she doesn't need it. She's mm-hmm. just has this, you know, confidence. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that a large part of that has been your doing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank and you. so, you know, you talked briefly about the anchor center and, yeah. um, I, you know, in a very strange, you know, 
series of you know events have had got exposed to it through a baby that I work with that was born right. with no sight, which I then introduced the mom to mm-hmm. you, and you were such mm-hmm. instrumental in helping bring that confidence and that mm. feeling of, you know, being part of a community to them. Yes. So thank you for that. Mm. Uh, but, and I can't say enough about that organization, yes. but in addition to the Anchor Center, what other types of supports or services did you find that were the most helpful that you yeah. work with in the beginning to kind of help you get your bearings with all this? Right. Um, well, we had music therapy. So that came into our home. Um, Amanda Bryant, she is, she was just so incredible. Um, so for Hallie, she was not motivated to move, well, just move in general. Um, because, you know, if you think about like keeping your arms in and keeping your legs in, that feels really safe. It it feels like, well, I'm not going to bump into anything. I'm, you know, controlled. And so to open Hallie up and to have her begin to crawl, to walk, um, Hallie wasn't walking until about three on her own. And so um, the music therapist came in and would make up fun little songs just for Hallie about being on a music walk and on this adventure that what she's going to find on her walk. And, um, so that was such an incredible experience. Um, but primarily up until kindergarten, we really didn't have anything else outside, um, the anchor center. Then when she transitioned into school, then she would have OT and PT at school, um, and then also vision. So that's the um, teacher of the visually impaired that has taught her Braille and mobility with her cane um, and so many other things. Honestly, TVIs are like these miracle workers, probably a lot like SLPs. Um, but Hallie, at the Anchor Center, they had um, there was a lot of intervention with specifically SLPs because of feeding, especially the textures and a lot of the things that um, blind children specifically were kind of like uh, adverse to, you know, and um, so, so as far as, so, okay, so um, treatments or therapies, then let's see. So then later on when she was in elementary school, that's when we began having in-home therapy. So we, um, have worked with Solace Home Healthcare, and we've had a number of different therapists from there, and they have been incredible. Um, and if I could just touch on a little bit, I so value the people that come into our home. You know, this the Anchor Center obviously was this magical place, but then there is some, it was a different level of intimacy when you are bringing someone into your home and they're seeing the family dynamics and they're seeing the real life of what this child looks like and how this all pans out and they get to see. I think that at home, you almost get the bigger meltdowns, the the harder um, you know issues right there. But then that also gives you the opportunity to, um, to work on those things. And um, you know, Jennifer, you mentioned how therapy goes beyond just the individual that is receiving the services. And I can absolutely attest to that because 
every therapist that have come into our home has made such an impact on our whole family. There um, was one male therapist that my son was just enthralled with. I mean, he just was so taken by um, this, you know, Nick. He he just spoke to Carter. Carter was always observing therapy when Hallie had OT at home. And I just kept thinking, you know, these therapists are modeling something for not just me, but for my whole family. And we're all benefiting from it. And I can't say enough about, yes, we are working on these goals. We're working on these different things, but it's almost for me as a mom, what was the biggest blessing was having someone else model how to respond to Hallie's big emotions, because that has been the biggest challenge as far as when, when something is challenging and not working for Hallie, it's, it's all of a sudden very, um, disruptive to her whole system. She just kind of shuts down and gets herself worked up. And oftentimes I'm not quite sure how do I like help her recover in that and then keep going. And these therapists were like these magicians. I don't even know how they did it, but I feel like I've gotten like the training somehow (laughs) just, I don't know, rubbed off on me or something because it's been um, just such a gift to observe them. I think that that's a really good point to dig into. Mm -hmm. I always, Jennifer and I always joke that, you know, we're not, I know you were saying, oh, they're like magic, but really the truth is, is it's just a lot of training and we don't have a pouch of magic fairy dust that we're sprinkling Mm -hmm. around and we can give that as therapists to the parents to make them feel comfortable to have that same skill set mm. that a therapist has when they yeah. walk into a home. Yeah. And I'm so happy to hear that mm-hmm. you were gifted that because really I believe that's a huge part, especially of home health, right. is to not just keep those skills to yourself as a therapist, but also give them to the parent and so that they can mm-hmm. utilize them for the rest of the week and for the rest of their lives when you're yes. not there. Yes, and come back to and return to. But honestly, it's it's one thing to probably know all of those things, but then it's a different thing to embody it. And the therapists that we've seen like just have been so patient. Like, do you, they teach you that at school? Because I don't know how the- – Anyways. It's not your own kids, because I will tell <laughs> <There> you, you. <laughs> I, because I, as a parent myself, I the amount of patience yeah. I have working yes. with anybody I work with that I go home like, oh no, <laughs> you're I have none love for you. Yes. Um, yes. But and to your point yeah. too about the home, I I found that especially when I was working with a baby who yes. had no sight, that how important it was for him to receive some of those therapies in the home because mm-hmm. he's going to need to learn to navigate. Yes. In his environment. Yes. And so I remember thinking, thank goodness, you know, we were all coming to the home. Right. You know, again, the vision that myself, PT, you know, we're all coming to the home because I'm sure that was Mm -hmm. valuable to say, well, what do, how do I get her from this point to this point? How do we teach her to, Mm -hmm. you know, find the bathroom someday? How do, you know, those things that you just don't think about. Right. Yeah. And for Hallie, yes, where exactly will my toothbrush and my toothpaste, how can I become independent in my own living environment where, you know, we've even had to put on our swimming suits and do, you know, shampooing. That's, you know, there's like so many details Mm -hmm. that as a mom, I feel I would be so overwhelmed with um, if I had not received 
these services. Um, so one thing that I do want to say as a parent, and I think it would be helpful, you know, to your listeners is just real life still happens after therapy. And I think one of my kind of mom guilt things, if you will, is just the lack of being able to continue to focus on um, a different, a goal or our homework each week. I feel, so in the beginning with Hallie, I was, you know, a new, a young mom. I was 24 when she was born. And I just saw this like mission ahead of me, like almost my career is, you know, doing, providing everything for Hallie to become the independent, whatever, you know, all these things. And that pressure was felt then after the therapist, after therapy, I would bring that home and I would push, push, push. And Hallie picked up on that pretty quickly. And she began to resist that pretty quickly because what she actually wanted was her mom to play with her or her mom to just be with her. To, for her to just be the kid that she is right now without needing to improve, needing to push to, you know, get to that next developmental checkpoint. And as a mom, I looked at it as like a reflection of what how I was doing was how she was doing. And that, what I saw was um, just, I don't know, just too too much pressure. And I don't even think it was coming from the therapists. You know, of course they would give us these goals and these different things to work towards. But honestly, as a mom, I think I took it and I just put that like expectation on myself, which then filtered through to my child. And so how do you, you know, how do I, I feel like I would want to encourage parents. If I looked back at young mom, Katie, I would say, goodness, you are doing such a good job. And if you could just take a moment and not work on therapy, that would be awesome. Just be with her. Don't work on lifting our head up and tummy time and, you know, all of that. But in the end, I mean, it's good for her. I know I see why I did it, but there, everyone has to find their balance. balance. Yeah, Yeah. their balance. And, um, so I love what you speak to Jennifer about seeing kind of the whole person and seeing the whole family and that there's just so much more than these goals or checkpoints going on. Um, well, there's many yeah. families that I feel like, you know, when I was a new therapist mm-hmm. and, you know, just out, it was like, here's the 10 things I want you to work on uh-huh. and then I'm going to get back. And and after having kids, I kid you not, I said, I want, I want to find them and send an apology letter oh. to all of them because I was like, that was not realistic. And, yeah. you know, and just because like you said, they're, you know, you need to sometimes be the parent and yes. not the therapist. And yes. there yeah. there is a, a division and a fine yeah. line with that. Yeah. And in you don't want her to start to, you know, resent you right. and to resent therapy and to, you know, because she's a kid. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And just, you know, our society, we compare where is everybody at developmentally, especially when you get to elementary school. Well, we're already like pushing an uphill cart to try and keep up with everyone developmentally. And I just realized with Hallie, I feel like I kind of had to rewrite her own measuring system and that where she was at. And and honestly, I think the Anchor Center did such a good job of this, of just celebrating each 
moment of progress and that it was unique to that child. And no matter what, where they were on the spectrum, uh, we're going to celebrate today. Awesome. You heard that loud sound and you didn't completely melt down and we're done for the day. Great. This is like something to celebrate. You know, it sounds like these like tiny little things, but just to like say, okay, that's you. That's, you know, and so I feel like I did. I had to learn that along my journey. Um, And honestly, the therapists that have come into our home have been really gracious. I'm probably harder on myself than they are, but um, yeah, I mean, I just, I want to give one more example of just, you know, one of the main things that we're still working on with Allie is utensils at dinner and manners and not touching her food. Um, And that is a really, really difficult thing. And so when we're sitting down as a family, I know, okay, this is go time. I need to be like helping her know how to, you know, properly grasp her spoon or fork or whatever. And sometimes I just want to eat dinner. (laughs) Honestly, like, I just want to be like, you can do you and we're just going to have dinner. I'm just going to let it go today. And, and so I've had to kind of shift my mindset on, okay, well maybe for a snack, that's when I'm, when I'm not eating and she's just, you know, I'm going to really get in there. So anyway, that's just, (laughs) no, I think these are great examples. And I think that it's really important for therapist to hear a parent perspective and also think about how can us as therapists communicate to parents Mm. on how to address the goals with joy Mm, and taking Mm -hmm. that pressure off. Yes. And if it's not being done with joy Mm -hmm. and if it's not being done in a relationship building way that feels like it fits into the culture of your home and family, Mm -hmm. then that needs to be shifted Mm -hmm. because then it's just not actually that naturalistic practice. And I think, you know, that idea of, well, maybe I can't do it every night at dinner, but we do have a snack when we get home from school and I'm not going to be eating during that time. And that would be a really low pressure time to Mm -hmm. get this done. Mm -hmm. And for therapists to think about like, well, how can I sit down with a family, map out their schedule and Mm -hmm. find those low pressure times Mm -hmm. where there can be joy around those goals. I love that. And I think that's a great thing to think about and a great thing for therapists to be focusing on Mm -hmm. when making a weekly plan with a parent, whether it be something such Mm -hmm. as eating food with utensils or even something as simple as articulation. Yeah. You know, like articulation, which is such a common goal for speech therapists, Mm. shouldn't necessarily be practiced when, you know, the kid is stressed with their homework and there's three other kids running around. But like, what's a nice quiet time that Mm -hmm. it could be done with fun and maybe a book Mm -hmm. and things. And so finding those quiet moments um, sounds like it can be really transformative. Yes. And, you know, as Hallie has grown too, she has kind of her own goals. And um, I love when therapists kind of uh, switch it kind of onto her now, because then that gives her this sense of like responsibility and ownership and pride when she accomplishes those things of like, I know how to brush my teeth now. I, I know how to, you know, do my own hair or whatever it is. And Um, one other thing I wanted to share that has been really motivating for Hallie, um, she's, you know, 12 and this fall she has a, um, 
um, a little friend who's four. It's actually my my son Logan's um, friend's sister. And Logan and his friend would go to this little football camp and his um, his friend's little sister would come over, Avery would come over and Hallie would begin to babysit. And this was her first experience of being like a mother's helper and taking ownership of, um, or just of the care of someone else. And it translated, that one thing translated then into her motivation for all of her therapy. So now her goals are, well, I want to tie shoes because then if Avery needs her shoes tied, then I will know how to tie Avery's shoes. If Avery needs a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, well, I need to learn how to do that because I'm going to be your babysitter, you know? And so like you said, just how can you do it with joy and how can you find those things that are uniquely motivating to the child? I would have never guessed that Avery was going to be like the motivation for all of this, but now it is. Yeah. So it's just been really, I love that you said that with joy. That was, yeah. Yeah. I, Oh, I'm sorry, Jennifer. We're both like <laughs> chomping at the bit. We're like, we have so much we want to talk to you about. Yes. Well, I was first. just going to say, you know, I and I think you bring up such a very valuable point that there does become a time when if it's not something that's important mm-hmm. or motivating to them, they aren't mm-hmm. going to do it. And so there's definitely this age shift where it's like now it's less about what I want and yes. more about what do you want. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is such a beautiful example of how to, you know, make that shift mm-hmm. and and realize that there is a time where we need to have some accountability and some motivation on their end or yes. you are going to – that cart push, you're, you're pushing uphill <laughs> is just about to get a lot heavier. So much heavier. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what I was going to say is I love how you brought up the idea of her being a caretaker for mm-hmm. someone else. I have read a lot of research and witnessed that someone who maybe has additional needs and is mm-hmm. used to being the one – being taken care of, that they should have equal opportunity like everyone else in society to also have the pleasure of taking care of someone else and the happiness that that brings. And um, there's, I am in my head, I'm referencing right now, there was a study done on um, there's like adult with autism organizations Mm. and they have conventions where they're all will meet up at a hotel for a weekend. And it's all of these autism friendly programming and things for adults that they'd enjoy. And they were talking about how important this is not only for socialization, but for people also to have a chance to be there for Mm -hmm. someone else and be a caretaker for someone else. Maybe it's a friend who's overwhelmed or helping someone navigate a situation. And that idea as a therapist of thinking about that your client also wants to be able to take care of people just like how we get to do that and I think that right there you pointed Mm -hmm. out a great motivator that can be brought up for older clients Mm -hmm. who are entering their teenage years Mm -hmm. that is often looked over Mm -hmm. yeah who can you pass this along to and how can you serve it's so fulfilling yeah absolutely so Rewinding to the beginning of Hallie's journey and your journey with Hallie as a mom, Mm -hmm. what was it like to be told what Hallie could and couldn't do? And how how did you reframe that? And how Mm. would maybe 
looking back in time, do you, would you hope that someone could reframe that for you? Or maybe if you were coaching another mom going through mm-hmm. this process? Thank you. That is a really good question and something I wrestled with for a long time. Um, because the thing is, is that when you are raising a special needs child, even if people don't say it outright to you, you are confronted with their lack or in what society might see as um, insufficiency or, you know, even the word disability, that they're not able to do something. And honestly, all throughout Hallie's life, I just have seen her being the teacher of so many people, you know, people at the grocery store or just wherever we've been. But um, I really had to wrestle with it as a mom of what does disabled mean um, for my daughter? And when she was about four, I came across this quote, um, this speaker, Amy Mullins, she was a paraplegic um, and she is phenomenal, but she wrote this thing that redefined the word disabled as to crush a spirit, to withdraw hope, to deflate curiosity, to promote an inability to see beauty, and to deprive the imagination. And when I think about that, my daughter Hallie was far from disabled. And that helped me see, no, she has a lot to offer this world And I'm going to fight tooth and nail to make sure that she knows it and also the world knows it. Um, Yeah. So I think, does that answer? (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, it's really what you're speaking to is a strength-based model Mm. and thinking about when maybe you receive news like that, Mm -hmm. that another way that you're reframing it. And I think a lot of professionals try to think about in modern day is, Mm -hmm. you know, your daughter Hallie is going to have heightened Mm -hmm. senses in some of her other senses. She might hear words in a Mm -hmm. more creative way Mm -hmm. than someone else sees it. She might interact Mm -hmm. with people Mm -hmm. and teach them things that other kids would Mm -hmm. not teach that person. And reframing it Mm -hmm. from those Mm -hmm. strengths can be so valuable. So true. And I think that Hallie levels the playing field in this way. You know, our society, for good reasons, is on this like measuring system. And something about Hallie and her life and the way that she comes across to people kind of disarms them in a way. And it, it boils it all down to like what is essential about who I am. Because Hallie is just fine sharing about what is essential to her, you know, (laughs) and so, yeah, I think that that's strengths. What did you call it? Strengths. Strengths-based model. Yeah. It's just really thinking about, well, what is this person yes. bringing to the table and what is their strengths totally. instead of focusing on the inverse? Which I think all kids need that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, just, you know, the word disabled has always just made my feelers go up. I don't, you know, I've just always... You know, felt yeah. like there there was could be a better choice of words. Yeah. So I started referring to it as you know they're differently able. Yes. And and we all are. Right. You know there are certain things like I mm-hmm. guarantee um, at twelve 
that Hallie's math skills are probably stronger than mine. So and I mine. mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes. and she's Let's probably a much science in there. <laughs> and she, I guarantee she's a much better musician. We are all differently mm, abled. Yeah. And so I think that is mm. such a, a, you know, reminding people that, yeah. that words have meaning and power behind them. And that mm-hmm. we just say things sometimes and think, Oh, you know, that's just, you know, I'm just saying it, but it really has a lot of meaning and power, especially yes. to somebody who's living it yes. and going through some of those things. Yeah. And so I, you know, want to know, because I feel like oftentimes, you know, anytime we're, you're a therapist, you're working with a family, you're working with a child that sometimes it's hard to know what to say, what not to mm. say. And even in our own personal lives, like if somebody, mm. if you know, something happened that you weren't expecting, you know, you weren't right. expecting, right. you know, what, when Hallie was born, right. you know, what you were, what life was going to look like. Right. And looking back on that time, what are some things that were helpful that people said to you or were, were able to yeah. you know, give you some hope? And on the other side, mm-hmm. what are things that we should avoid saying? Because I know sometimes we, you know, mm-hmm. people have those intentions where it's like, oh yeah, I know what you're right. going through because this, you know, a friend of a friend of a friend had this happen. It's like, well, no, you really don't know what I'm right. going through. So what are some things that you find are good to say mm-hmm. to somebody who's just been given you know, news or found out something mm. that wasn't expected or, and what yeah. should we avoid saying? Mm, that is such a good question. Um, you know, honestly, I can't really think of a personal experience where I feel like, um, someone said the wrong thing necessarily. I've certainly had an experience where people have wanted to just walk up to my daughter and ask to pray for her, like to pray off of her blindness. And that was something I had to intervene. Yeah. (laughs) But um, other than that. I'll take it from here. Thank you. I don't think that therapists are going to be doing that. (laughs) Other than that, I haven't really. (laughs) I hope not. But you never know. Much as far as like. You know, sometimes there's like these cushy sayings that people will say, like, you won't be given more than you can handle mm-hmm. and all of those things. Obviously, they're not that helpful. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the the best thing to say is just, it's okay to grieve. Um, it's okay that this expectation is different than what you wished, and that's okay, and we can hold that, and we can also hold great joy that you're going to get to experience out of this hardship as well. Um, I want to tell you a story. Yesterday, I was, you know, running errands, figuring out what to do for Christmas decor and all of those things. And I'm, I, I haven't decorated the outside of my house and we we're living in a new house. So I just haven't figured out what am I going to do? And I just kept thinking, Hallie is not even going to appreciate whatever I go and find and whatever. It's not even going to matter to her. And in that breath, I, you know, was grieving. It like snuck up on me. And there's lots of times as a parent where you're walking to the playground and all the other kids are running ahead of you. And I'm walking with my daughter who should be age appropriately running with the other kids. But for this thing yesterday, so, you know, I'm thinking, well, what what would make, what would it be 
um, what would make Christmas and this ho- you know holiday season feel nice for Hallie? And I just thought of like all the different sensory things she would like, you know, the cinnamon um, pine cones that are so magical. And like I thought a really like comfy blanket and textures on the couch, new textures and, you know, just thinking about different things. And um, long story short, my son's reading tutor, who is this amazing like extra grandma, bonus grandma to my kids, didn't even know that I had been thinking about that and grieving the loss of how it looks different for our family for decorating for Christmas. Something seems so simple and, you know, minor. But um, here comes Bridget in walking in with a candle that smells like cinnamon sticks and blankets, like these amazing, plush, beautiful blankets. And Hallie instantly puts wraps hers around and is just in heaven. And she is just... Oh my gosh, Bridget, thank you. This is just the best thing. And I say that to say, as an example, that um, life is going to look different and that's okay. And it and you can grieve. Like I feel like I've given myself that permission. When those little things come up, I let it out and I grieve it. And I, you know, at first it was anger and and now it's just you know, a few tears as I'm driving or whatever. But the way that I see these, uh, how I have been then now these, uh, I don't even know how to explain this, but other people coming into our life, blessing us, um, far outweighs the loss then. So I don't know if that answers what people should say or what they shouldn't say, but I guess it's more of just for therapists to understand, you know, the families are going through a lot of complex, it's complex and it's okay. And just to, I think the best thing that people have done for me is just to hold space for it just to be what it is in that moment, if it's grief or if it's like over the top joy and gratitude or anything in between, you know? Well, and I've worked with, (laughs) I think that that was so beautifully said. Mm -hmm. And I think this is so important for therapists to hear. And this Mm -hmm. is something I didn't learn until later in my career is that, you know, there is a lot of grief that comes with, with learning something that you didn't expect. And, you know, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, as I have not been in these shoes, but what the sense I've taken is that sometimes there's this thought, you know, my child has been given a diagnosis that I wasn't expecting. And, you know, if I grieve, does that mean that, you know, I'm saying that they're not, something's Mm. not right with them. And then wrestling with those emotions of, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and you're exactly right. There's sometimes where, you know, I'll go in, I'll say, today, we're just going to sit. And if you Mm. need to cry, and if you need to talk, that's what we're going to do. Because there's some days where I'm like, that's more important than any goals or therapy right. that need to be done. It is. It's almost like I know that therapists, and I'm going to cry about this, they've almost just honored the hardship just by like witnessing the level of, you know, non-typical experience that we're having, right? Just being there, witnessing the level that you know, my daughter is melting down because of, you know, who knows what, some technology not working in it being like, just having a therapist 
in our home witnessing to that somehow for me has been so comforting because it almost like validates my job as a mom as like, yeah, this is a lot and it's going to be okay, but you're doing good. Look at, we got through it. Everybody's alive. <laughs> Everyone's We're alive. All here. <laughs> yeah. I and don't know. I'm it's hearing just, like yeah. really that acknowledgement piece from mm-hmm. both of you, just hearing that sometimes the best thing you can do for someone is acknowledge their reality yes. and not come in as a therapist and just be like, oh, everything's great. Don't even worry. We're going to get, you know, whatever, but acknowledging the good, the bad, the ugly, the celebrations, the tears, and really just being present and Mm -hmm. meeting the family where they're at Mm -hmm. instead of trying to just get your mission done while you're there. Yes. Yes. And I will say all of the therapists that Hallie has worked with have done that for sure. For sure. So many times. That makes me really happy to hear. So... You know, I know that part of being a therapist and acknowledging a parent's experience is understanding really how many appointments they need to balance. Yes. And that how hectic Mm -hmm. your schedule is compared Mm -hmm. to a parent who isn't involved in the therapeutic process. Yeah. What does that look like for you? What is that time commitment? How does it feel to be under so many different structured time commitments? And I just love to learn a little bit more about what that looks like. I think sometimes therapists walk in and they're like, I can't believe you're late. You know, I can't believe you forgot Mm -hmm. about this or whatever, but Mm -hmm. really there's a lot of different things going on in your world. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And especially if the child you're working with has siblings that just throws in a whole new <laughs> thing. Um, I would say, so early on, I actually kind of had to shift my whole life to be able to be available as Hallie's mom and to get her to the therapies that she needed and all of that. But um, so what I chose to do then was um, an in-home daycare. And this is not for everyone, but just for the first like five years I had, there's just two other little boys, friends, kids that would come. And it was awesome for Hallie because then she's now interacting in a group and the therapist would come home and they would get Hallie, but then here's all these other kids. (laughs) Um, so that's what it looked like then. Um, and of course, doctor's appointments. Um, but when you're young, when you're little like that, when you're young and you don't have school yet or homework, you know, it's pretty fairly easy, I would say. Um, I don't, but yet, you know, Hallie isn't chronically ill. So I know other families that have had much more than I've had to uh, endure. So now in school, I would say the biggest thing that we have on our plate is homework because math and braille is, takes a long time. And, um, so there's homework. I want Hallie to, she's always done piano, but recently this fall, she is doing her first ever dance class through the apex here. And it's been, I never even thought to like put her in a typical program and she's rocking it. She is loving it. And so 
yeah, how do you balance the therapy and just being a typical kid with an activity and uh, whatever they're doing? So, um, so as far as schedules, yes, there's usually um, a lot going on, especially with siblings. Yeah, and kind of that round, round right. the clock, just right. balancing everything. Right. But right now in Hallie's life, it's pretty minor. She only has really one therapy outside of school. Um, well, maybe two, I guess. But so, yes, does that answer it? So to for therapists coming in, I feel like they've always been really compassionate of just understanding our schedule, our, you know, family dynamics. I'm, and now that she's older, I, I'm not there for every single minute of her therapy. I'm like an earshot away, but I'm not involved. And almost it's better now because now Hallie is like independently kind of taking mm-hmm. ownership of it. But, you know, there's a lot going on when there's other kids and all of that. Well, and I think this is just, you know, a, such a nice reminder for therapists because mm-hmm. I have myself have done this in the past and have to kind of s- stop and check myself. And I hear other therapists do this and it really is, you know, it's like, no, is this, you know, well, they don't follow through with anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they relate, they cancel for no reason. And, you know, I, I think it's so important just, you know, from a parent perspective and also just to hear, you know, as a therapist to hear this, that, there, you're trying to run a, a, a life yes. in addition yes. to all of these things. Mm-hmm. And there are some times where, depending on what season of life you're in and what that child that is, you know, needing right. different supports, how much time that that's taking. Right. And to just, you know, for the therapist out there to just take a step back and realize, mm-hmm. you know, it's not personal yeah. when they don't. And right. I've even right. said to some of yes. my families, like, you know what, if you need a mental health day, I want you to text me and just say, not today. And I will know that that means I will not be coming and you don't have to give me any reason and you don't have to give me an Mm -hmm. explanation. I just know that you need a day off and that's okay. And that became part of my very first introduction is like, you know what? This is going to be, this might be heavy at times. This might feel like a lot. There's going to be times where I don't want you to learn to hate this. I don't want your child to learn to hate this. So if you need a break, you take it. Yeah. And you know, Go with mm-hmm. that. So that's basically what I want therapists to understand yeah. is that it's never personal. Right. And there's so many other things behind the scenes yes. that we don't see. Well, and even with the individual child, because some days for therapy, Hallie is like exhausted. I mean, she's exhausted at the end of yeah. her school day. She is not ready for therapy. She wants nothing to do with it. Yeah. And so, you know, and all of the therapists that have worked with her have come in and can read that situation of, okay, well, what motivates you? Music. Okay. So how can we make this fun and enjoyable and all of that? So yeah, the therapists we've had have just been so over the top amazing at that skill of reading it, of like how to, when to push, when to pull back. And so. Yeah. Well, and before I know, uh, this is going to have a question to kind of wrap us up, but I just want to, there's something that I want to share with you. Mm. It's a very vivid memory that stands out in my mind um, from last year at school. And, um, I, you know, we have, if anybody who has kids and has to deal with the carpool <laughs> lane knows that we need a support group for that sometimes yes. it's its own <laughs> nightmare. Um, but I was behind you mm. and in the carpool lane and, uh, the car drop-off lane for school. And I, you know, was like, yeah, 
out, get your stuff, you know, screaming at my own offspring. And so I see Hallie mm. independently get out of your car mm. and walk into the school all by herself yeah. with her cane. And I just, it struck me and I, <laughs> I can see it. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, wonder what Katie thinks about that. If it's mm. just because I, it struck me as uh, so cool and such yeah. a, like a moment where I was so proud of her yeah. and just, you know, so happy for you and your family that look mm. at the, you know, and just, yes. this is like nothing else. She's walking by herself into school. Yeah. And I've yeah. just, I've, I, I see it right mm. now today. So that's so beautiful. I love that. I love that so much. I hope that there's more of those things for her. Those, you know, yeah. moments. So what <laughs> is next for Hallie and your family yeah. as you continue to grow yeah. and learn? So what is next for Hallie? Well, she's probably going to continue her fun little podcast. It's called the Imagination Podcast, but it's not public yet. But, you know, we're practicing. So someday, you know, who knows what that's going to be. It's pretty fun. Science and math, you'll get to learn. Um, Hallie is going to next week have her first ever dance recital. So that's mm. exciting. Wow. And in February, she's going to become a teenager and she's going on a ski trip that this organization, Foresight Ski, they um, take blind or visually impaired kiddos and they teach them the slopes and Hallie loves it. She has got the need for speed, the fastest roller coasters, the fastest Hills, she is on them. <laughs> wow. This is my first season skiing, and she is probably far beyond my skill oh. level. <laughs> well, yes, me too. She's like, yeah, so she loves that. It is, it's pretty cool. And for me, you know, I had last year I had the opportunity, she's at a new school, and I um got to go in and do a little mini assembly to just teach kids about all the different disabilities that there are and to normalize it in a way of like, it's okay to talk about these things. What does it mean to be blind? I think even the word blind or, or those, you know, people like, oh, can I say that? I don't know. But, you know, just to normalize it and to let kids ask questions and be curious, because I think that that separates her from her peers if they're not comfortable. So, you know, part of one of the things I love to do is to be able to talk to, you know, classrooms or schools or whatever about, you know, people have disabilities that you can see and there's in, um, invisible uh, disabilities. And in that, how do we relate to each other as humans? And so that's the biggest thing that Hallie has taught me is just what does it mean to be human and how do you connect as a human to other humans? So, um, yeah, I think I think that's it. I mean... Wow. wow. Yeah. Oh, that's it. We're going skiing, <laughs> dance recital, being a yeah, teenager. Exactly. I don't no think you're going to be bored anytime soon. I think right. between when I think about your life and get shuttling everyone where they need yes. to be and all, it's like, mm -hmm. okay, you know, well, one day we'll be bored, but not in the next 20 years. So, yeah. I don't know where this fits in the program, but I just want to say something really sweet about Jennifer's son. Since you shared a memory, I get to share a memory. The other night we are at... Um, a mutual friend's party. And long story short, I was in tears talking to Jennifer about her sweet son, Jackson, who was in class with Hallie in fifth grade. And that class is where Hallie's science oh, love yes. bloomed because Mr. Stolte is the best science best. teacher. <laughs> best. Yes. But um, 
this is just something really special that you can tell that Jackson has a, an acute awareness that's different than typical kids because even though he was in class with Hallie for that fifth grade year, um, he has a certain amount of empathy and confidence that I think that other kids maybe miss or overlook Hallie. And even to this day, now they're in seventh grade and we they're at different schools now, but the other day I I drove in and and um, Jackson was playing at this friend's house and he came right up to the car and started talking to Hallie and you know without hesitation hi Hallie and he just knew how to talk to her it's me Jackson you know to introduce himself because she wouldn't recognize us so, do you remember me how are you doing you know and just went on and on and just was so incredible at talking to her and I think it's rare for even a boy, I think, to even do that. But but just a child her age to take that initiation to do, to, to make that connection. And it was really, really touching to me because we hadn't seen him in a long time. Yeah. And that he still was just so like, here I am, Hallie. How's it going? <laughs> well, she's very well loved. I will tell you. I mean, very well loved. So, yeah. so yeah, yeah, been a great job. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing yes. all of your wisdom yes. and beauty today. I really, yeah. I mean, I feel like we could talk forever. Yes. And I am excited to be able to mm. keep following your journey online. You. I know you have a blog and an Instagram. Mm. And um, can you just share with our listeners what some of those tags are so that they can yeah. continue on Hallie's journey with you? Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I, sometimes share about her and sometimes not. It's this tricky balance to know I don't ever want it to be something I market. Do you know what I mean? It just... Absolutely. So I do sometimes share about her, but not always. Um, but it's uh, Katie Elizabeth Kemp is kind of my writer, author name. And then, um, so that's at Facebook and Instagram. And then my blog is just katieelizabethkemp.com. And it's K-E-M-P. So, K-E-M-P, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and you're a beautiful writer, Thank you. and Thank you. it's a real talent. And Thank I, you. you're definitely check out the blog. It is just you, you have a real gift. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was so wonderful. I just hope that all of the therapists out there know like how much they impact, not just the life of the individual they're working with, but truly the family. I mean, it is a ripple effect. And so I'm just grateful that I got to participate in this today. Thank you so Thank much for you. coming. <laughs> and if you'd like to get in touch with us at the podcast, send us an email at SLP full disclosure at gowithadvanced.com. And each episode's show notes are available at the website, gowithadvanced.com backslash SLP full disclosure and make sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen to get the latest updates. And if you want to give us a little shout out, make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps spread the word. Also, special thanks to Jonathan Carey for producing this episode and Aiden Dykes for the music and editing. And as always, this episode was powered by Advanced Travel Therapy. See you next time. Mm-hmm.